0: Hello and welcome to Hanks for the Memories, you got a friend in us, we only do that for the Toy Story episodes and this is episode 43, Toy Story Tunes and TV Specials from 2011 through 2014, I'm Mike Manzi. And
1: I'm Joey Lewandowski, and Mike, I will never again criticize, not that I've been, not criticize is a strong word, but I've been saying, you know, on the Angels and Demons, the Da Vinci Code, these very complicated, convoluted plots, that I finally felt like you had to deal with what I had to deal with on a lot of the Tom Cruise, the plot summaries. Here, I've never had to summarize five different movies in a single episode. I mean, they're not, like, wildly complicated plots, but that's not to say they're not, not wildly complicated. Like, they're all, they've got things going on. I'm interested to see how long these breakdowns are of three six-minute shorts and two 22-minute shorts
0: they are of varying degrees of depth and length so we'll see
1: I also do want to say I want to make a note right now that at the end of this podcast we are going to not this episode the end of the run when we catch up on Hanks we are going to do an episode where we count down our favorite Tom Hanks movies from favorite to least favorite we're counting down the Tom Cruise movies from favorite to least favorite we're gonna do the same thing here but I want to let you know I ranked all five of these on there they're all in a row like they're all just together like I guess there could be variation but just for my own sake I put them all in a row ranked from favorite to least favorite within this but they're all separate on there so we this added five to the tally so just throwing that
0: out there. it's interesting because Lengthwise, if you watch them all in one sitting, it's almost like the length of the first Toy Story movie. Like, I mean, it's an hour, I guess, right? Like, in total. So, like, you're getting almost a full feature here. So that's kind of cool. All right. So the first one up, Mike,
1: Toy Story Toons Hawaiian Vacation from 2011. This was released theatrically with Cars 2. So if you saw Cars 2 in theaters, you probably saw this in theaters. But Mike, please give us a summary
0: of what Hawaiian Vacation's about. Bonnie and her family is going to Hawaii on vacation, and the toys are getting a vacation of their own because they're staying behind. They're not going with Bonnie, so they're all going to stay home and spend their free time the way they like to. I think most of it is playing cards and gambling. But when Bonnie drops off her knapsack at her house to pick up a suitcase to go on vacation, out pops Ken and Barbie. They escaped from the uh, kindergarten and they thought that they were going to wind up in Hawaii on vacation of their own, and they are remiss to discover they've landed in Bonnie's room. So, Ken and Barbie are all dolled up and ready to go on this wine vacation. Ken is mostly the one whose dreams are crushed. The crew and Barbie turn the toy room into Hawaii for Ken so that he could do all the things that he wanted to and give him the best vacation ever. And at the end, him and Barbie were going to share their very first kiss. And as they do so, they actually go out outside into the snow. And it's very nice and very romantic, but then they fall off the porch and they have to go get dug out. And that's basically what happens.
1: So one thing that I noticed right off the bat here is Bonnie brought no toys to Hawaii. She's going away for sensibly a while. We don't know where she lives, but it's not like they live the island over from Hawaii. Like, they live far away that she's going to be on like a six-hour plane ride at least. It'll be away probably for a week and she brought no toys. I was like, hmm, I wonder what's going on there.
0: Yeah, that's a little contrived. I mean, because when I was like eight or so, I went to Norway because I have some family there and I definitely brought my Cabbage Patch Kid, some action figures, like things came with me, you know, oh, yeah. overseas and stuff. So that was a little suspect.
1: Because I do want to say that later... later... Later, in the fourth thing, the first long one that we're doing, Toy Story of Terror, there was trivia on IMDb about how Ham was not there because she only had limited room in her backpack and who brings a piggy bank on a trip. For her to not bring any of the toys, I was like, all right. So this one was okay. I thought this was, of the three shorts, I think each short, spoilers here I think each short gets better I think the next one is a little bit better than this and I think the third one is a little bit better than that I didn't think this was bad but I think it was okay continuation from last week though our Toy Story 3 episode we were talking about how like Pixar could have easily incorporated gay characters possibly they're really setting Ken up to be gay but they're not following through everybody can like whatever they like but the way that Ken is so into fashion like he's coded stereotypically gay he's very into fashion that's the only way that he comes out of the backpack at the end when he and Barbara Barbie have the kiss outside, like, his leg goes up, which I think is funny. But, like, it just feels like, why are you so stereotypically conforming to him as a homosexual, but then, like, so committed to him with Barbie? Like, it just feels a weird mixed message, kind of.
0: Yeah, not to skip ahead or anything, but it would have been funny to see him later on with Combat Carl. Not funny, but, you know, it might have felt more, you know, in line with what is, you know, appropriate these days and stuff. But I agree because there's even that moment in this where she's like, uh, Barbie says, you know. We're going to have our first kiss. And one of them is like, you guys haven't even kissed yet? And it's like they're sending up all these flags for you to notice Ken's orientation and that this relationship isn't working or something's going on here where Barbie sees it. Barbie can tell, but everyone's just going along with it. And I understand, look, it's it's a children's thing. I mean, but that's... I don't feel like these days... You know, if they do this again, there's no excuse is basically the bottom line with it, right? Right. Also
1: no excuse to once again completely disregard all physics and reality and have Mr. Pineapple Head. Like last week, we were talking about, you know, Mr. Potato Head in the, what was he, in like a a burrito wrap or whatever. The independent ability of all of his parts to do or things, that's going to fluctuate in and out. We'll talk about that as it comes on. But here he's dressed up as a pineapple. I'm like, really? They don't care what the rules are. Just like whatever's going to make a laugh. Here we are like, oh no, we need... We need
0: physics. We need reality. We need rules. No, I know that for some reason it's like we can't bend our moral reality rules that have been constructed by, you know, social mores, but we could do whatever we want when it comes to what what deserves life and, yep. and sentience and all that. Like we could abide yeah. like a. Ab- abominations, like Mr. Potato Head.
1: (laughs) I know. But we do get fan-favorite Spanish buzz back again. I think they were like, oh, people loved this. Let's bring him back
0: for a minute. This feels very much like a direct sort of uh, offshoot of Toy Story 3, sort of like a pseudo-sequel kind of thing here going on.
1: Yeah. My last note was that Ken and Barbie in the block of ice at the end. I I love that as a visual gag. I thought that was
0: really great. Yeah, that was nice, too. I like that, too. I I don't really have that many notes about these first three, because they're actually any of them really they're really all very short and such. So like I have like strong notes but very few of them. Yeah I just wrote down things mostly as a reminder of like what each
1: was about because I figured watching five different stories in the span of an hour because I like I took a a little bit of a break between four and five. Watching them all back to back to back I realized that I might forget what the separation between I mean the the titles are different enough but I was just like I want to make sure that I know which what happens to what you know what I mean. So two little bits of trivia the hat that Slink is wearing is the same hat from the Tower of Terror. Um, So we have the Toy Story of Terror but here it's not the Toy Story of Terror. He's just wearing that bellhop's hat from Tower of Terror. But that's pretty fun and pretty cool. I mean, one of the bathing suits, I'm not sure which one because she wears a couple, but one of the bathing suits that Barbie is wearing is the same model that the first Barbie wore when she made her debut at the American International Toy Fair in New York in
0: 1959, which I think is
1: pretty cool. Nice little throwback.
0: Oh, is this the one that also featured um, a a Lego fig, a mini fig, I think, like was in the backpack? And I can't remember which episode that was in, but like, I was like, oh shit, look at that. Even before the Lego movie, they snuck him in To the Toy Story thing, love it. Any other
1: thoughts, any other notes, or do you want to just tell us what Small Fry is about?
0: Yeah, let's let's move it along. Small Fry is the next one. Bonnie goes to a fast food restaurant and doesn't get the toy that she wants uh, because they're all out of it. She wants to get like a mini Buzz Lightyear. It's like it's all Buzz Lightyear centric playset for the Happy Meals. You know, they have like the they have some of them like on display. Bonnie wants that one, but they're not allowed to sell them. But that one, that mini Buzz Lightyear breaks out, switches places with the real Buzz Lightyear and gets taken home instead with Bonnie, goes to her room and is immediately found out by the rest of the toys yeah. that he is not the real Buzz Lightyear. Except for Rex. Rex is like, no, guys, this is the real Buzz Lightyear. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, right, yeah. Rex has issues, man. I love him, though. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buzz is at the fast food restaurant and he meets all of the forgotten toys from the Happy Meals past and they've all sort of been discarded and alone and they're in the support group together. It's sort like this, kind of like the beginning of uh, Endgame with Captain America where they're all sort of like yeah. going through their issues of being, ab- again, abandonment issues like coming up strong again in Toy Story Buzz has had enough of it, he takes one of the toys, which is a grappling hook gun, and escapes and makes it back to Bonnie's, we don't really figure out how, you know, he's like yeah, I'm back, let's get this guy back to where he belongs, and that's basically the end of it, and at the end we see regular Buzz and mini Buzz at the support group together, talking through their issues as we roll to credits.
1: Yeah. So this was
0: shown before The Muppets,
1: the 2011 movie, The Muppets, and then internationally before The Nut Job, which came out in 2014. For the second time in a row, I wonder if Bonnie even cares about her toys because she goes on a trip <laughs> to Hawaii with no toys. And then here she forgets Buzz and Rex in the ball pit. Like she slides down the slide with them. Her mom's like, Bonnie, let's go. She's like, okay. And like leaves them in the pit. And I'm like, girl, like you have toys. And then her mom is only like, hey, don't forget your toys. But even she doesn't realize like what Buzz Lightyear it is because I think, what was it, in Toy Story 2, Buzz got swapped out, right? And so there's a little bit of a return there, so. Poor
0: Buzz, man. Yeah, another, this is a Buzz-centric episode. Yeah, I agree with you there about Bonnie, because we'll see also later in another one, again, not to jump too far ahead, but, like, she's sort of, like, you know, not with her toys a lot in these shorts, you know? They go on, like, their own adventures and everything and get reunited towards the end, and so it's like, what is she off doing without them sometimes? It makes me wonder, but. On that note, really quick, I want to say that, like, not only is she not with the toys,
1: but these can Considering we're doing this for the Tom Hanks podcast, Woody's barely in any of these. Like he's in all of them, but he doesn't like have anything to do with any of them. Like we're covering this ostensibly for Tom Hanks, but like for all the movies to be so heavily about Woody and his journey, these are all like, I think it seems like specifically written to let other characters and new characters shine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like this is Buzz Centric. There's gonna be a Rex one, there's gonna be a Trixie one. You know, they feel like they they focus more on other characters. And I wonder now, having watched Toy Story 4, uh, not to no, not too many spoilers or anything, but like sort of like edging Woody out, like being like, get used to not seeing him too much because he may actually not be around for very long, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. What I loved about this one and the next one, we'll get to the next one, we'll get to the next one, is that they really have a chance to like let the creators show off the weirdness of this world sometimes all the discarded Happy Meal toys or wherever they're from, they're from Poultry Palace. I love the idea, like it's basically a joke, it feels like, where the Happy Meal's toys, in theory, seem cool, and then you compare them to actual toys, you're like, oh, no wonder they're free, they're, they're kind of junk. But what I loved about them was just, like, the creativity like, there's Pizza Bot, who just says Pizza Bot sad, there's the eagle in like, a car that's like the Declaration of Independence he's like, I'm history, but on wheels, like, why don't kids love me? Like, they're amazing ideas for this, but like, as a toy, you'd be like, yeah I don't want this.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, they nailed it. They nailed like the crappiness of these toys, but also the, the cool, like appeal of wanting them too. You know, it's like, they all look great, but then they just like junk as an adult. Now I look at like my nieces and nephews acquiring like happy meal toys and things like that too. And it's just like, it's just like a vicious cycle. It just keeps on going, but I loved it. Like, the rhyming names and all the little abilities that they have there's just so many of them like I couldn't even keep up writing them down or anything like that but Jane Lynch has that mermaid that was great too it's, yeah. it, that's the only voice I really recognized but hilarious stuff there. they had that, that DJ animal thing too or whatever I don't know you mentioned
1: the grappling hook before that is of course Gary grappling hook which is just wonderful apparently one of the discarded toys is Condor Man which is the name of a Disney movie from 1981 so they're referencing Disney I guess which is kind of cool I don't know that one and then there's a Toy Koala Copter, who's played by he's voiced by Carlos Alzaraki. I might be saying that name wrong, but he's notable for playing Rocco on Rocco's Modern Life, which I thought was pretty cool. So I guess you know he's a wallaby and a koala, I guess both down under animals, and thought it was pretty cool. I like this one more than the first one, but it's still it was it's just okay. You know, like it's not it's not great. I don't know you have to see this. I think the next of the three shorts is if you're gonna watch one of them, and all these first three are all on Disney Plus. so if you have Disney Plus you can watch them for free. But the next one I think is the one that I would say. If you watch one, watch the third one.
0: Yeah, this next one's pretty insane, actually. Go for it. So this one is Party Source Rex. It's a Rex the Dinosaur episode, basically. And, you know, he's kind of getting ragged on by Potato Head for, like, being a goody-goody and, and, like, playing it safe and, like, not being fun and all this kind of stuff. So when Bonnie leaves him behind after bath time, he gets to know all of the new bath toys basically and they coerce him into turning on the water because none of them have arms that work and Rex does and he turns on the water and he adds some bubbles and they turn off some lights and they turn on some other lights and a bunch of flashing toys. before you know it there's basically a rave going on in the tub yeah in the bathtub in the room it's pretty amazing the party keeps going until the water overflows it ends with the plumber coming and fixing everything up and and Rex being like extremely happy about the the time that he had and then the toys in in the backyard call him out because they're in the pool and they want him to throw a pool party that is party source rex of the five shorts including the two longer ones this one i think looks the best this is just
1: beautiful to look at like the colors and like the rave and the party palette like it's a great
0: looking short this is uh them again sort of showing off i felt i was like look, yeah. look how far their lighting simulation has come along <laughs> this one is amazing yeah,
1: so this one came out in 2012. It was released with a 3D re-release of Finding Nemo. The first two were 2011. Not that it's wildly different. Not that technology goes crazy within a year. But the first two were a year after Toy Story 3, and this is a year after those. But yeah, it's just like the colors. And I think it's just because maybe because it's different. Like we don't usually have like nighttime. Like in 4, we're going to have nighttime, right? When they're on the camper and they have that whole sequence with Forky. Like that's going to look different. But I wonder if night is just more difficult. It
0: might be. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it I think it does come down to like the, the lighting quality qualities and things like that. Yeah, like maybe with not just daytime, but brightly lit rooms in general and things like that, it could be a little easier uh, when it's darker, you might have to sort of, you know, finesse a little more to get like proper nuance or shadows or bumps and stuff like that so I don't know but I was freaking impressed and I when I was watching the credits it crossed my eyes that there was like the lighting team or whatever like that was like pretty large and this one I noticed it was like a like a credit or two pages long so makes sense
1: there was a bit of trivia and I don't remember this line from Monsters Inc because I've only seen that I think probably once and that was in theater. so that was what like 20 years ago maybe Jesus but apparently in Monsters Inc Randall tells Sully that he heard that humans skin monsters and then use their skin on the cover of toilets and so if in this one if you look the toilet seat cover is like is patterned after sully's fur so it's kind of like a reference to that not that they skinned sully but they just you know that's hilarious it's still like
0: kind of a funny reference yeah because i've seen toilet seats with that sort of furry top lots of yeah. times before i think what also works well with this one is what worked well in the last one what my favorite parts of the last one were like the group sessions with all the different toys and what i liked about this was like all the different variety of the tub toys like, it took me back just as a kid yeah. playing with toys in the tub and stuff and then, like, in in the pool and things like that. So, like, it was just really cool to see, oh, man, like, these writers understand the variety of toys out there, right? It's not like they just yeah. put, like, again, like, through a combat Carl in here because they could. It's like, no, these toys, like, belong in the tub and, you know, that's what they're meant for. So, it was kind of interesting to be, like, it was almost like a foreign exchange kind of thing going on where Rex was visiting another part of the house for once.
1: yeah. I also like. There feels like there's a trope in here that I'm sure Brian Rodriguez over on High School Slumber Party has seen a lot. Where like Rex seems like he can get away with this because he's like he's the outsider. Like he might never see these toys again. So he's like the you know the high schooler from a different school who's like at this party for the one and only time he can like let loose because he's just like the cool guy now. And like you hear his thoughts like oh you know party pooper Rex or whatever Poopasaurus Rex or whatever they're calling him in the room. And then he like whatever he would normally say he just says the opposite, which leads to like the greatest rave of all time.
0: Absolutely. Like, I'm sure, I bet they came up with that same parallel in the writer's room where they're like, this is his time to shine. No one knows who he is. It's just like a kid going to like a new school for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like, he could just create a whole new identity and do the opposite of what he's been.
1: This one of all five, this has my favorite line in any of the five shorts. We cut to the bottom of the bathtub and there's like the sinking toys, this toys that don't float to the surface. And they're like, man, we don't get to have any of the fun. You know, they're all having a good time up there. And like one of the, things like falls like one of the pulsing glowy balls falls to the bottom he just says what's up fishes and then there's like a rave underwater i'm like that's so funny it i i I cracked up at that like i enjoyed all five of these to a certain degree but like that was i think maybe the the only time where i like laughed out loud because i was like oh that's wonderful
0: well that's an interesting thing to bring up too because i i noticed with these that these feel like they're specifically geared towards the kids this time like that's really one of the only jokes that i found was like and maybe that's why I was like huh at that too like I actually made a noise at that joke because it's like yeah. one of the very few jokes in, in these I feel that are catering towards adults as well which is weird because like you know Finding Nemo and whatever like the Muppets and like Cars
1: too. like yeah they're all for kids but like Toy Story's for kids too and like they're all you know Pixar or the Muppets like they have jokes in there that are for adults too it feels weird that they're catering so specifically to like little kids right?
0: The Muppets especially was not created for children originally like i don't feel, I feel like people forget you watch those muppet shows and like their design, they're designed. those were prime time shows like i i don't know a lot of kids that could stay up late to watch that when they very first aired i mean i think later in syndication they started airing earlier because they realized hey like lots of kids are watching these also i mean i don't know maybe because i i had gone back and watched those at least the first three seasons of the muppet show over the last couple of years and they're very irreverent very crazy types of comedy and like the guest stars everyone from like Steve Martin and all everyone is on that show so it is a little weird but again it still works you know what I'm saying like it's amazing how you could take all that out of Toy Story and it still plays extremely well maybe because they're shorter. Maybe I got nothing else about this one do you have
1: anything else or can we move on to Toy Story of Terror? let's move it on so these next two they were both on I remember them being on ABC like on a Sunday night or whatever like 8 o'clock like I remember T I think both of them because I think I'd seen both before uh, they did not play in theaters it's not like that 22 minute Frozen thing that played before Coco do you remember that like that whole like oh my god that bro, terribly boring Frozen thing like I love Frozen the first movie I like the second Frozen movie but that short whatever it was called in the middle that they played before Coco was like this is unbearable yeah
0: we went I took my nephew we thought it was gonna be like you know 8 minutes it was 28 minutes. It's this length,
1: and just, it keeps going and going. And, like, it's not terrible. Like, it's not the worst thing I've seen, but it's not good. And the fact that it's so long, it's like, I, I just want to see my movie. Like, I'm willing to put up with, like, a five or six or seven minute short, but, like,
0: this is crazy. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was out of control. I think they I think they learned from that now, whereas, because they eventually took that off of the prints, and then they were like, okay, I don't think we should put any more episodes of TV on before a movie. Right. Yeah. Oh, boy. But please hit us with Toy Story of Terror. Okay, this is the Jesse-centric episode, and quite a horror-themed one at that. It starts off with Bonnie and her family are going somewhere on vacation, and they stop at a motel. And I said, okay, now Bonnie wants her toy. She finally cares about her toys. Yeah, I guess they, whenever they don't need to take a plane, I'm assuming. Road trips, as we know in Toy Story 4, they come along for the ride. Yep. So it's a dark and stormy night. Jessie is dealing with her claustrophobia. She sort of gets trapped in a box in the back of the trunk for a minute and has a panic attack. When they get to the motel, they all sort of go off exploring. There's something in the motel that is stealing the toys like from around every corner. It's like lightning fast. It moves in shadows. You can't tell what it is. It turns out to be a lizard that Mm -hmm. the owner of the motel has, and it goes around the motel collecting not just lost toys, but it seems like it is like just whatever toy it can find. It gets it, it grabs it, it brings it back to its owner, and the owner of the motel puts it up on eBay, and he has collected all of Bonnie's toys without her knowing it, apparently, and they're all going up for auction. Woody has been sold for $2,000. Jessie is being sold. She has to go into the box and face her fears of claustrophobia in order to save She is cheered on by aforementioned Combat Carl and his trusty Combat Carl Jr. She gets the courage to rescue Woody, save the day, and at the very last second, she is able to sort of, like, signal Bonnie, and Bonnie sees that all of her toys were behind the counter and stolen by the owner, and her mom makes a big fuss, as she should, and Bonnie gets all of her toys back, they go in the car, and they're off on the road again, all safe together.
1: Yeah. For a short called Toy Story of Terror, it's not all horror. It's kind of horror adjacent for the first half, and the second half is kind of just like a regular toy story we gotta escape, basically. But do you think, is this the scary scariest thing that's ever been rated g because like there's some like legitimately not like scary to me but like to a kid like i feel like because not a lot of stuff is rated g anymore like g is basically like oh this is like anybody can watch this right but like i feel this is kind of scary for g And which i'm trying to think if there's anything scarier that's ever been made that's been
0: rated g i think i agree with you at least since the rating system sort of expanded you know back in back before the 80s it was just g pg and R I believe right Right. and so like there was way there was so much Jaws is PG right so like that doesn't that's yeah yeah and there's like G rated movies with nudity because you know a, it's not a big deal, but B, it used to be even less of a big deal because it's just natural or whatever. So, like, the ratings system's always been really weird and wonky, but when it comes to stuff like cartoons, like, this is, like, the parts of this that are supposed to be scary, I feel are pitch-perfect scary for children kind of thing, and, like, it gets horror movies sort of perfectly right, and we have Mr. Pricklepants, that's his name, right? We have yep. Timothy Dalton sort of, like, explaining the tropes of a horror film and everything, and I feel like all of that stuff... We jesse and her panic attacks like that feels like real as an adult i'm like yeah i i relate to jesse right now and stuff so i feel like maybe this this is very intense for children i think the way that they've got away with it is they really drop it hard once they get caught right like once they're all put up for ebay it sort of becomes toy story two and a half where they're just being sold online again and they have to like you know, get out of there. I feel like Buzz could have done all that in two seconds, but Jesse needed to sort of, like, learn her lesson or, or something like that. But it's pretty good, like... For scares
1: and stuff while they last. Also, in terms of being Toy Story two and a half, it's hard to see because you have to pause it at the right time. And I found this on IMDb trivia: the person who buys Woody, he's getting shipped to Al's toy barn because, of course, he is. Because Al just can't not buy him. Um, and he
0: won't get him. I love that. That's great because he's still not getting it.
1: Nope, nope, nope. Okay, let's talk once again about the potato heads. So, oh my god. At the beginning of this, Mr. Potato Head takes out his ears and is like, "I can't hear you," and like the sound gets muffled, right? Yet Mrs. Potato Head can, like we saw in 3, can see through her eye that's in a different building altogether. Later here, they're following Mr. Potato Head's hand, which is acting as a guide. It feels like either there's no consistency or it's just like whatever the toy wants, the toy can have it happen, which seems crazy.
0: Yeah, Mr. Potato Head feels like he exists in this loophole in a way, right? Like, because he's so, he's like interchangeable parts, because he can, you know, be an old man or a young boy. Like, I notice in one of them, Bonnie sort of has him with the backwards hat no mustache he looks more like a kid potato head I feel like he's a rule breaker he's sort of like the neo right of like he can rewrite the matrix however he needs to in order to like walk around as a thing and do what it needs to do it's awesome though like I'm really growing on like that idea the concept that like he's of his own kind of thing
1: yeah also of his own we get combat Carl here and I don't know if you heard but mini combat Carl says a line that is near and dear to your heart
0: oh does he say third times a charm and I missed it He
1: sure does when he's using the paper clip to try to unhook from the case and he drops, he's like, all right, third time's a charm. I was like, oh man, there he goes. <laughs> That's great. I also love the uh, having Stephen Tobolowski as the desk clerk. I love him when he pops up and stuff, hearing his voice here. like He's got a sort of very, I mean, I guess iconic voice. I just know him because he's been in like 200 things probably, uh, but I love Tobolowski. You've seen Rick and Morty, right? Oh yeah, I love Rick and Morty. There was a moment in here that reminded me of Total Recall. Like I just watched the whole series for the first time. While four, like while the Whoa, back half of four, was that'll airing, melt so. your
0: brain, like. You didn't oh, yeah. have seasons off or anything like the rest of us got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it was a lot in all in order. But there was a
1: moment here where like they're trying to figure out who they could trust, and I'm like, this feels like Total Recall, where they're even counting, they're like, all right, we we've got one, two, three, four, and, like everybody partnering up, and I'm like, this just feels like the same kind of whatever like Rick and Morty is making fun of. It feels like they're kind of maybe not making fun of, but like referencing, right? Like just like I guess traditional horror tropes, like okay, let's stick together, and then in Total Recall, like they're like, oh, that's that number doesn't mean what you think it means. It means something else altogether or whatever, right? And like here. Before before they're able to even break off into partners like the iguana or whatever the lizard of whatever kind kidnaps like half of them he just like keeps sucking like mr Bricklepants goes and then the other goes and the nether goes and just like oh like all this planning is for naught
0: yeah it's pretty funny i mean i didn't pick up on that but i think that this is definitely something that comes up in you know more than just like a horror thing though where it's like teaming up or splitting up or anything like that and i i just thought it was all just because to get sort of Jesse on her own. She didn't have anyone to team up with, right? She had to stay behind or whatever. Yeah, I feel like in the in, the, in the history, in the lineage of Toy Story, Jesse's got like this tragic history.
1: Like she's claustrophobic here. She broke up with her her owner. She's the last one standing here. It's not depressing. It's like heart beautiful and sad. But the line like Jesse never gives up, Jesse finds a way. I'm like, this is so good. Like Joan Cusack just brings it
0: as Jesse. And like, and she's just a great character. I love Jesse. I think since they, int- I think she, kind of eclipses Woody for me sometimes where it's like there's only room for one Cow person, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I love Woody and stuff, but like, yeah, maybe it's just Joan's energy and just because she, she has like her personality generally is way more like with it and upbeat, whereas Woody is sort of like more cautious and apprehensive at times or like we should still follow these rules. And she's more like willing to be wild kind of thing. So it's definitely harder when you see her struggling and like, you know, having these panic attacks and things like that. I just feel like her character is way more fleshed out than like. A lot of the other ones. Yeah, for sure.
1: I was a little bummed at the end. Here, Jesse finds in the lizard's mouth that he's got Combat Carl's hand, he's got Mr. Potato Head's arm. Like it felt like the lizard was like just in pain from those and wanted to spit them up and would be fine, but like he spits them up and then he's just mean again. I'm like, it feels like there's kind of like a missed opportunity there to like like it just feels like no matter what, this guy is a monster, but it feels like it could have been a maybe a teachable moment. Like people who are acting out just have something that like you can help them get through or something, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I had a problem well, I had a problem with it being a lizard, but I definitely had a problem with the lizard not being on the toy side at the end because, I mean, we run into the cat in the next one, but the whole sort of cycle with the dog through the first three movies is where it's like a perceived threat and then it becomes like a friend kind of thing uh, by the end and then it's just too old to do anything. But I, I actually wanted this not to be a lizard it kind of threw me off a bit because it, it looks more like a toy it's not very realistic looking and i feel like maybe if it was a dog or a cat or, or something more domestic yeah i uh, you know it, it would have played a little bit better
1: i also think that like in the next short toys of the time forgot we have another green thing eating pieces and choking on them just like how many times are you gonna go to that well yeah that doesn't make this one worse, but I just feel like it makes the, the next one a little bit worse. It's like, oh, like you just did
0: that. Well, there's a lot – I feel like there's a lot of doubling up with stuff we've seen before already, like with the selling them on eBay and this one and, you know, some of the stuff that we saw – in the previous ones I think I mentioned where I was like oh didn't they kind of do this already to a degree to an extent so it almost feels like they're rehashing stuff but just to keep it in your mind and be like oh yeah that reminds me of like one of the movies I'll go back and watch the movie or something like
1: that yeah once again Mr. Potato Head gets separated from his body parts I just said that that's that's old hat by now I did love the visual of the Pez dispenser they see I don't remember what it is maybe it's her getting the hands out of the, the stomach the mouth the throat of the lizard but the Pez dispenser
0: spitting up like it's vomiting pez was very very funny i love that i love again we get some more legos here we're one step closer to the lego movie yeah (laughs) yeah 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 let's
1: see there's a little bit more trivia about this i think because it was longer um so combat carl is the name of the action figure that sid blows up in the first one he's voiced by carl weathers and he's modeled after carl weathers characters from predator and happy gilmore and in happy gilmore he was also missing his right hand so there's a little nice little nod there
0: I thought it was Combat Carl because it was Carl Weathers because he was Action Jackson.
1: Maybe I mean it might be all of it. This is just okay. IMDb trivia. You know who knows if that's right or not. But so in the graveyard in the opening, there's a tombstone that reads R.I.P. Simon J. Paladino, a public servant with a unique vision, and that was apparently a secret identity of Gazer Beam in The Incredibles, which I think is a nice little reference. And at the end of this short, Bonnie is seen wearing a DJ Blue Jay T-shirt, who was a minor or DJ Blu Ray. Maybe DJ Blu ray. This trivia has it spelled two different ways. Either DJ Blue Jay or DJ Blu ray. Whoever it is is a minor character in the small fry
0: short that we covered. Yeah, that's the DJ one I was trying to. Okay, remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's funny. So, like,
1: she's wearing a t shirt at the end of this that's like referencing that character, which I think is kind of a weird niche thing, but it's also pretty cool. Well,
0: I like that because it means that like all those toys exist because in the outside world they're part of a much larger thing right like they have right. they, they each have their own toy line in real life so you could probably get dj blue jay uh, li- like a big one you know that actually like plays music or something
1: yeah i think that's all i have i think of the five this was my favorite again I, I, like none of these stack up to any of the movies i don't think but of the five i think this was the most interesting i think again maybe just because it's jesse centric i don't think she's my favorite but i think she has the most interesting stories about her but this was my favorite of the five I think.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. This was the one I'd... I'd actually seen them all before, but this was the one I'd seen the least. I'd only seen this one once. I'd seen the next one, like, a couple times. I think my nephew really liked the next one when it first came out. Uh, And i had seen, like, all the shorts just, you know, uh, on demand or whatever or something, I think, so... All right, Mike, well, the Toy Story that Time Forgot, the one your nephew loves, hit us with the summary of this one. The Toy Story that Time Forgot, it starts the day after Christmas, and this one is Trixie-centric, Trixie the dinosaur, except she doesn't get to be a dinosaur, only that's all she really wants to do, but Bonnie plays with her as everything but the dinosaur. Bonnie takes her toys over to Mason's house to play with him and see what new toys he got for Christmas, but it turns out he got the new Optimum Xbox, which is like this crazy chair interactive video game console system so Bonnie throws all of her toys into Mason's room and they crash land in the middle of his giant messy toy room and they wander out and they see that Mason got the entire new toy line of Battlesaurs, which are the coolest dinosaurs ever. He has every playset, and Trixie is going nuts. Rex is going kind of nuts, too. They meet these toys, and the toys don't know that they're toys. So we're doing this again, but it's okay. Trixie's trying to fit in. She thinks they're cool and everything, but all the other toys like Woody and Buzz, they're they not really sure about these guys and it turns out they get captured. Trixie has to try and rescue them from being thrown into like a floor fan blade, killed for good for Which sure. Which I have a question about, but yes, continue please. Trixie and the leader of these dinosaur toys, Reptilis Maximus, they get into a quarrel and a struggle. They roll out of the toy room into the video game room. The dinosaur toy comes to terms and finds out that he's actually a toy. He realizes Mason is his owner. All he wants to do is play with him. Trixie makes it so that that Mason recognizes his new toy again, and he picks him up, and Mason and Bonnie rush into the toy room just in time to save Woody and and the gang, and they all play together at the end in this incredible playtime, ending in a dance party. Trixie has made some new friends, and she goes back, and she's cool about not being a dinosaur, even though she is one. She likes to be whatever Bonnie wants her to be, and she's just sign with that, and they look forward to going over to Mason's house soon again. This of the five was my least favorite couple different reasons I think that might be number one
1: the fact that it was last and I probably hit a wall at some point where I'm just like I can't watch more of these not that I was disliking them or not enjoying them but I was just like I can't like I want a cohesive if I'm gonna sit here for an hour and watch Toy Story I want like a a singular story right like I want the growth I want the narrative because like these movies do capers they do adventure they do all this stuff so well that to just keep abruptly ending and then starting anew I was just like but I was also bummed because this was written and directed by Steve Purcell is that a name that you no?
0: no, I don't think so. So
1: Steve Purcell created one of my all-time favorite things, full-stop period. He created Sam and Max. Sam and Max Freelance Police, Sam and Max Hit the Road.
0: I think I came a little before Sam and Max, so... But I, I recognize them. I love the the art design.
1: You know my cat is named Sam after Sam and Max. Like, when we got her and her brother, they're named... They were. I mean, he's passed away now. Sad. Didn't mean to bring the podcast down. Cats were named Sam and Max. Like, the computer game was my... It still might be my favorite computer game of all time. The comic series was great. The cartoon was great. Like, I love Sam and Max so much and have someone so subversive and weird Mm -hmm. then go on to make this I was just
0: like oh Okay. You know what this almost feels like a bit of show us you can play ball kind of ism here? Like, you know, because we're retreading a lot of old ground, but we're doing it with a new character. And it also we're getting a little more depth. She's more she's going on more of like a Jesse journey here, where she's coming to terms with who she is and this kind of thing. And I feel like certain beats play really well. But for me, it is just too repetitive. Knowing that this guy came from things before and bigger things, it just, it kind of comes across as like a tryout, you know? I don't know if he's done anything for Pixar before. I could be totally wrong. So he has. He did. Believe it or not, before this, he wrote and
1: co-directed Brave oh shit i I really liked brave so if you look on imdb he's got two directing credits he has brave and this and he has 21 writing credits including like a dozen no probably like 15 or more sam and max things like they had the telltale video game series that came out like between 06 and 08 or so so there's a bunch of those there was the cartoon there was the video game like all the stuff like video game stuff and then out of nowhere brave and then another video game and then toy story the time forgot like i don't know how his career went this way i don't know if it was and not animation. I don't know how this came, but he got wrapped up in Pixar somehow. He's been a voice in Cars. He was a voice in Brave. He was a voice in Toy. And this one is a voice again in Toy Story Four. So I don't know, man.
0: That's weird. Pixar, like, is you know, they, they usually from what I understand, they're really good about sort of approaching a creative and letting them do what they want, giving them a chance to do whatever. And you know, I, I guess maybe Brave underperformed to the extent where they're like kind of pumping the brakes on him and then this could have just been like a bone they threw him to keep him around and i feel like a lot of people kind of get sucked into that vortex of pixar and and don't really emerge the way they thought they were gonna you know they, yeah. they, they don't really go to the majors they kind of just stick around the bullpen a lot of the time so i don't know hopefully he can sort of get out of that area one day and and you know re-explore some of his other material so it looks like he was hired by
1: Pixar in 2000 and is now working in their story department. So he's done a lot of work on a lot of different movies. He's done work on Incredibles 2, Coco, Brave, Ratatouille, Cars. Like, he's done... He's worked on a bunch of different ones.
0: That's a great gig. Like, I ah, man, those are all... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you get to have your hand and any of those pies and he's in all of those pies so I'm sure he's happy. <laughs> it sounds like a good a, a good trade. But I feel
1: like seeing his name I like set myself up for this like oh my god like I'm going to love this one. Like we were talking about before like these are for kids but they're also can be for adults and knowing how like weird and surreal and wonderful Sam and Max is I'm like oh this is going to be great and then I was just kind of I don't know if I had set myself up for too much for success but I was a little bummed out or maybe it was because of the fifth one or maybe just because it was my least favorite of the five even for watching them independently.
0: You know you always sort of break that with anytime you see a creative name that you recognize and you really like it's I think we were talking off air about devs right and we're like man we both love Alex Garland but like it just doesn't it feels like he could have been more Alex Garland here like he's sometimes like maybe he pulled himself back or it's just not I was expecting more basically is what it came down to you know so like I definitely know where you're coming from when uh, when that stuff happens
1: oh wow so he in Toy Story 4 did the voice of the dummies like all Gabby Gabby's personal assistants like those very creepy dolls so that's him so I'll keep an eye out or an ear out for that if you have to give a ranking my ranking would be the fourth one which is Toy Story Terror then Party Source Rex then Small Fry then Hawaiian Vacation then this one where do you where do you fall on the five now that we've kind of discussed all five to a certain extent we're gonna have more to talk about here like where does this rank among your favorites of these five
0: and are there any that you like love or any that you
1: really don't like are they all just kind of
0: like yeah they're good so i actually loved the party source rex one like i just thought that was okay. insane because it just went full-on rave and you know what, rave like i've seen like they bring the foam out right like they could they they just like flood the area with suds and soap and stuff like that so like they were getting all that in, in this and this one too. Then I think I'm um, pretty much Toy Story of Terror, then Small Fry, then Hawaiian Vacation, and then this one. And I think it's just because I've seen this one a lot. I almost didn't even have to re-watch this one. Like, I kind of knew exactly what was going to be going on. And not that I don't think it's cool and fun, it's just that, like, we've seen toys go through this a lot already. And I think, like, if you're a, a kid that hasn't seen all the Toy Story movies yet and you watch this one, like, you're going to get way more out of it than if you've seen, like, Toy Story 1 or Toy Story 3 or something like that where you're just like toys don't know their toys and what are the rules and these kinds of things so like this is a good sort of refresher episode I feel like if you know if you're a kid and you haven't seen everything yet but uh it almost also feels like it could have been at one of the shorts like it just feels like it goes on and on and on when we get into the dinosaur world and everything and it's just like this all should have been sort of like truncated and cut down and it got a little too much i think because not only those tricks you need to learn your lesson but the leader of the dinosaurs needs to learn that he's not a real dinosaur. So there's way there's way more happening that they're trying to establish.
1: Yeah, what I would like to talk about specifically in this one is something you brought up in your recap. Let's talk about that blade that fan that sp- spinning wheel of death. I don't know what it is supposed to be, but whatever it is, it's in a kid's room. So I don't think it's going to be wildly unsafe. But, so say for instance like a computer fan, right? Like it's just something that keeps something cool. Like it's an electronics thing that keeps things cool or whatever. It's an exposed fan. Who knows what. If a toy... In their toy dream world, when the kids aren't around, is quote-unquote killed by one of those, do they get destroyed in the real life? Is the toy's imagination and reality overpowering of... You know, like, Do you know the question I'm asking?
0: If Woody is thrown into the fan and he's like all diced up and you yeah. know, he's in pieces, is he considered dead? Even if you were to sew him back together, would he have like memory loss? Would he have amnesia? Would he know who he was? Would he be a new toy because you've had to reconstruct him?
1: Well, I'm wondering that, but I'm also wondering if you would see... Like, I think in the beginning of three like there was that train heist right Mm -hmm. you see this like incredible set piece where like there's the train full of trolls and woody and everybody's trying to save them the brakes are out and then buzz saves them but like you cut to the reality like actual reality and the train just like is on like a little track and it falls off or whatever right i was wondering if woody is so convinced that he's about to get diced up by this fan that like your question is also about, like, if he gets diced up, does he have the horror memories of dying? Does he remember dying? Is he, like, Tree in Happy Death Day, where he's like, I remember dying? Or do we, like, see him fall into the fan, cut back to reality, and it just, like, either stops the fan or just
0: kicks him aside? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a matter of perceived reality, like we were trying to get into with the, in the last episode, where it's like, what do they see when they're being played with? What do they see when there's no kid in the room? Like, how real are threats that aren't really real in real life so like the way i was thinking about this was it kind of just looked like let's say it was a fan like a little fan you keep in the corner when it gets too hot on like a summer day or something and they sort of like took it apart maybe so they it throws something in it i almost feel like they would cut to something like an ant-man joke you know where like an ant-man it's like oh no the thomas the train engine is going to run me over and then you cut to the real world scope and it just sort of like falls off the track and it's just like the most minor of consequences kind of thing. So I was always kind of thinking, like, Woody definitely thinks he's going to die, but what's really going to happen is he's just going to sort of, like, jam up the fan and get stuck in it. But it's just that idea of, like, what does he perceive as real? And and to what extent can he see past that? Is it The Matrix, where, like,
1: if you die in The Matrix, you die in real life because the body cannot live without the mind? You could obviously play with Woody as a toy, but then, like when Bonnie goes away, is Woody just
0: dead in that reality forever? I don't like it's it's oh, a my weird God. thing. That's it's so crazy to think that like, all right, guys, like Woody's back. He's been put back together. But like, just remember, you know, he's not the same anymore. Like, it's so sad to kind of think about that, right? It also goes along with the rest of the toys too. Like, what's gonna happen to Buzz? Like, if Buzz cracks, or or, or if like, you know, what if his batteries? You know, when batteries sort of like leak and corrode and all that. Like, what's gonna happen? to them then they're making me feel too much for these toys sometimes i know anyway that's what i was thinking while i was watching this short uh (laughs) weird right but i was thinking was how lucky this kid was that he got every fucking thing in the entire series on the back of the card in the dinosaur land he got like overloaded and he got that new xbox thing or infinity box or whatever the optimum x that's another thing that would kind of annoyed me about
1: this like i know that this is called toy story and that like you know the imagination is the most important thing but like
0: to be like hey toys are better than video games it's like come on come on guy. like we don't, like come on <laughs> i wasn't sure if they were trying to say like toys are better than video games but it was definitely like remember to like go outside like that yeah. was sort of the end where it's like it's cool to look at screens all day too but like gotta you know go run around and hit a baseball or something and like thankfully my nieces and nephews do do stuff like that as well
1: i think that's everything that i've got is there anything else that you want to say about any of these shorts
0: no not really I kind of feel like we talked about them a lot Lot considering what they are i know we got one more coming up i saw on disney plus they released something new so we'll get to that after toy story 4 i'm assuming i don't know if hanks is in that though he's on the poster or whatever you know like is he it's him and Bo Peep. I haven't clicked on it yet, but I have D- Disney Plus, And in the Toy Story sort of Pixar section, it, c- it came up like that. So in the Toy Story franchise,
1: right? I was looking at this last night because I was trying to figure out what actually... Because I remember you had said it to me. I'm like, I don't remember because I've had these on the thing. I had these on the list. So, okay. So there are obviously the four of those. There's Forky Asks a Question. Oh,
0: those are amazing.
1: But he's not in those, right? Woody has not appeared in any of those. Okay. So there is a short called Lamp Life which reveals Bo Peep's whereabouts between leaving and reuniting with Woody between the events of Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 4 was released on Disney Plus on January 31st, 2020. So we'll add that when we do Toy Story 4, we'll also do Lamp Life.
0: Okay, that's really new. That's way more... I thought that had come out like a couple months ago at least.
1: Well... Today on Cruise Club, as you're listening to this, we have the Tom Cruise Clip Show, where Mike, you and I went through all of the Tom Cruise clips, the late night specials, the cameo appearances, the weird videos. We did about an hour's worth of clips. That list is on YouTube. It's on the -the CadeClub.me page for that episode. So go check that out. I also do want to say that open now at cageclub.me/bracket, and this applies to you too, Mike. Because this only you're only involved in one of these three shows. There are three different things to vote on. You can vote on the Cruise Club Awards, the Cruzies, which is going to be open for another few weeks, maybe close to a month, it can end sometime in the middle of July. So vote early, vote often on the best and the worst of Tom Cruise's career, which is close to this, because Tom Tom Club, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. Another podcast on Fridays are for fun, High School Slumber Party. Brian has put up his sophomore yearbook special where he's doing class superlatives so that's not up on as of the time of this recording it's not up on cageclubme bracket but it will be by the time this comes out or if it's not there you can go to high school summer party on twitter or facebook and find out the link there and then thirdly now also on fridays as a bonus episode sort of now that it's twice a week too fast too forever we have opened up the too fast too forever fast and furious hall of fame so if you want to vote on the things that should best and most be immortalized in the the history of the Fast and Furious franchise, and also the podcast that I did with Joe too. Go check that out. So all three of those, or at least two of them, but all three of them, I think, are going to be at cageclub.me bracket. People just seem to love voting on things. So even if you don't have any real strong opinions in those, and you want to cast ballots on Tom Cruise, or Fast and Furious, or high school movies, go to cageclub.me bracket and vote early and vote often on all those. They're going to be open for a couple more weeks each.
0: Awesome. Yeah, go mad with power. Now's your chance to decide the outcome of something. Seriously. So next week
1: on Cruise Club, like I mentioned, we have the ranking Tom Cruise's movies episode, right? And you and I count down from our, actually count up from our least favorite all the way up to our favorite Tom Cruise movies. What will we match? You'll have to listen to find out. Losing it. it. <laughs> But on this podcast, we are going to be covering 2011's Larry Brown, which that is the one. That's the Tom Hanks directorial second effort, right?
0: Yes, with Julia Roberts.
1: Yes, and our guest on that episode, unless things break bad, will be Michael Domanico of the Julia Roberts podcast, Not Her Again. So if you want even more Julia Roberts coverage, and also Meryl Streep coverage, and also now Catherine Hepburn coverage, go check out Not Her Again, uh, the podcast where Michael and his uh, partner Walt and other guests. Just stop by and talk. I stopped by to talk about some movies and stuff like that. So not her again. Go check that out. Tom Cruise as Woody, I don't think works. We keep saying no, right? yeah, I know.
0: I I didn't even think we were going to get back and do this one again because we've already done this so many times. Yeah, I think we 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 fell down on buzz for him, right? Yes, I think so.
1: And then Woody as America's dad, Tom Hanks as Woody as America's dad. Again, not in these a ton, but yeah, right? Like he's
0: America's dad. Wait, did we mention on one of the Toy Story episodes I had to have brought this up because I'm thinking of it now, but if Tom Cruise played like a toy from one of the Mission Impossible movies, like a like an
1: action one of his own action figures? No, I don't think you have. That's like a Combat Carl style Ethan Hunt.
0: Yeah, like he's playing Ethan Hunt, but as an action figure, and that would be amazing. I guess
1: the closest we have is either Combat Carl or Duke Kaboom, right? So that'd be very cool. As it stands right now, Tom Hanks as America's dad, as Woody, I would say yes, for sure. Mm-hmm and then in terms of the Tom Hanks Awards the Woodies I don't think there's anything in here like he's barely in these right like there's nothing that we want to nominate I don't think right so no I think we were on the same page where like mentally we're just like no we all like it's just an autopilot for these last the other Tom and America's Dad and the awards because it's like oh no we we know where this is winding up anyway for all things Hanks the Memories you can go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram email us hanks at cageclub.me like we said come back next week for Larry Around. go to cavesclubme slash bracket eventually you'll be able to vote on tom hanks things there but for now vote on tom cruise fast and furious and high school slumber party movies i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike Manzi, and we'll see you next time right here on hanks for the memories we belong together Well, Woody wants to say thanks.